0: Man, I'm so excited about this series that we started a few weeks ago called Greater. Everybody say Greater. Look at a neighbor and say Greater. Man, I believe that God has some greater things in store for us in this coming year in our lives. In fact, that's what this whole series is about. It's about faith. I told you that very first week of the series. I said, man, my intention in this series over this next several weeks is to pump you up. So everybody say, pump you up. My intention is to pump you up, to build your faith, to believe God for some greater things in your life. And we had this little saying that we're saying every single week in this series, kind of helping to drive us through this series. It's on the screen and in your notes today. I want you to say it aloud with me. It goes like this. Good enough is not good enough because I have a God who is greater. Now, some of you, your mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out. So help me again, let's do it again. Good enough is not good enough because I have a God who is greater. And we said, man, good enough's not good enough. Good enough's not good enough for my family. Good enough's not good enough for my marriage. Good enough's not good enough for my relationship with my children. Good enough's not good enough in my spiritual life. Good enough's not good enough in my church. Because God is a God who is so great, and we believe that he has greater things in store for every single one of us. If you believe that today, say real loud, amen. Now, before we go any further in this, I got to really set the record straight and I got to let you know what I'm really talking about when I'm talking about greater. Because some people, when I talk about greater, here's what you hear. You hear bigger house, newer car, Here's what you hear, nicer ring on my finger, right? When I start talking about God has something greater for your life, you start thinking about name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, right? Like if I believe God, then I'm just going to drive a Mercedes and I'm going to wear a Rolex and I'm going to have all of this stuff in my life. But when I'm talking about greater in this series, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about more of the things that really matter. How many of you want that kind of greater in your life? See, for some of you, greater might be, you know, that God would do a greater thing in your marriage. For some of you, greater might mean that you would have a greater purpose to live for. For some of you, it might be that there might be a greater love in your relationships or a greater presence of God in your life or maybe a greater revelation of the Word of God or a greater joy in your heart or a greater heart for people or a compassion for people or a heart for the things of God that's the kind of greater that I'm talking about in this series. Now as we've been talking about this idea of good enough is not good enough because our God is so much greater, we've talked about this guy who he exemplifies this idea with his life, a guy by the name of Elisha. So everybody say Elisha. Now, Elisha is not one of those guys in the Bible that just automatically you know who I'm talking about. Now, you might know about another guy whose name is kind of similar, a guy named Elijah. How many remember Elijah, right? Elijah, one of the most famous prophets, I mean, this was a guy who was powerful in the word of God, man. He was the guy that he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years and then he prayed again and all of a sudden it rained. I mean, cool stuff, right? This was the guy that he built an altar and he called down fire fire came down from heaven this was the guy that god fed him with with you know with the ravens that came and fed him and the spring from the water i mean elisha was, or elijah was a bad dude right well when it comes to elijah he was a great guy and we told you that elisha was kind of like elijah the sequel right i mean like elijah was a great man But Elisha, he followed Elisha's or Elijah's ministry and he followed him around and learned how to be a prophet and do all the prophet kind of stuff that you do as a prophet and at the end of Elijah's ministry Elijah said to Elisha he said what is it that I can do for you you can ask anything and and it will be done for you and we know the story Elisha asked for something that was incredibly bold he made an incredibly bold request basically he said, Good enough's not good enough for me. I know that God has something greater. And he asked Elijah for a double portion of the anointing of God. I mean, pretty cool stuff, right? And what's even greater than that is that, that Elijah, because of Elisha's incredibly bold faith, Elijah said, If you'll stay with me, it will be granted unto you. And we learned last week that at the end of Elisha's life that he actually saw twice as many miracles performed as Elijah did. Pretty cool stuff. And we see this all throughout Elisha's life, that he was a man who would not settle for good enough. He wanted God to do something greater with his life. We see this same theme running through this passage that we're going to study, this story of this woman that we're going to study today in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. In verse number eight, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. It's on the screen as well as in your notes and in your U you version this morning. I want you to begin with verse number eight. It says, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunam, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Now I want you to check this out. The Bible calls this woman a wealthy. Woman. Another translation says that she was an influential woman or an important woman. In fact, I like the way the King James Version said it. The, the King James Version actually called this woman a great woman. Man, she had everything that you could want in life. She had money. She had influence. She had power. She was important. She she even was content with the life that she had. As you read through the story and as we study it here today, you will see that she was content. She was a great woman and she was content with being great. In fact, she even used what she had for good stuff. We'll see it in just a second that she would, she would feed the prophet as the prophet would come. And how many know it's a good thing to make sure the pastor has something to eat because pastors like to eat right and she I mean she was content with what she had and she was using what she had for good things I mean you could you could see that this woman was a great woman but God had something even greater in store for her In fact, I think you could probably say it something like this. For this woman, good enough was not good enough. Even doing good was not good enough. Even being great was not good enough because God had something greater in store for this woman. You know, I think sometimes we get this idea that God only takes people whose lives are messed up and then he takes those messed up lives and does something great with them or makes them Greater, And here's the good news today is that if your life is messed up, I got to tell you that God can take even the most messed up life and he can turn it into something great. Do you believe that? But here's what I want you to understand today is that not only can God take lives that are messed up and turn them around and do something great with them, but sometimes God even wants to take lives that are already great and mess them up so that he can do something greater. And that's what we're going to find in this this story as we continue to read in verse number 9. And she said to her husband, Look now. I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. So here's this woman, a great woman, an important woman, a woman who already has everything all organized In her life, and she decides maybe I should add a little God to my already great life. Let's just build a little room over here for the man of God so that when he comes to our house, he won't disturb our already organized, already comfortable, already great life. But instead, he'll have his own little room so that when he comes by, he can stay there. Let's just have a little God on the side, right? Like I already got my great life Here And I'll just have like a little side salad of God. You know what I'm saying? Let's just make God a little add-on, a little build-on room over here on the side. You know, I think I see that a lot of times in American Christianity today. Man, we've got already great lives. When you compare our lives to so many others around the world, man, we've got nice cars and we've got nice homes that we live in. We have nice jobs and nice wives and nice kids and we live in the nice little white picket fence house and our lives are already greats. And we think, maybe I'll just add a little err onto my greats maybe i 'll just, just build a little a little side room over here for God so that when he wants to show up, he can come, but he won 't mess up my already great life come on i 'm preaching better than y'all are amen and today and here 's what I want you to understand is this and this is point number one you know it 's greater is not an addition. Everybody say that with me today. Greater is not an addition. Man, greater is not an add-on to your life. Greater is not something that you say, well, I already have it over here, and let's just make God a little compartment of our life. Let me tell you something. God doesn't want to be an add-on room. He wants to own the whole house. We see it right here in verse number 9. She says, this man stops by from time to time. And he's a godly man. Please let us make a little small room on the wall, and whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Man, I think that's a lot of people. You know, I don't mind a little a little God in my life from time to time. You know, every once in a while, maybe you know on Sundays, if I'm really, really committed, I'll I'll do that like you know every other Sunday, maybe even three times a month on Sunday if I'm really committed. Let's just let God come in from time to time. But preacher, while you're talking about all this greater stuff, I already have a great life. And maybe I'll just add a little God onto my already great. But can I tell you something? That greater begins with total surrender. Everybody say surrender. Surrender Surrender is not something we like to talk about. We don't like to hear about it a whole lot. It's not a popular word in our vocabulary because everybody wants to win Nobody wants to give up. Nobody wants to submit. Nobody wants to surrender. But can I tell you something? That's exactly what God wants from every single one of our lives. In fact, the scripture says in Romans 6 and verse 13, Give yourself completely. Everybody say completely. Give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body. Everybody say whole body. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Notice those two words. I had you repeat them. Complete and whole. Guess what? That's what God wants from you. He doesn't want 5% of your life. He doesn't want 10% of your life, 20%, 50%. He wants 100%. He wants total and complete surrender. He doesn't want to be just a little addition over here. He wants the whole house. You know, a lot of times we think of God like, you know, like one of those pie charts. You remember the pie charts when you were in grade school or maybe, you know, junior high or whatever, and you would have, you know, the little slices of the pie, and sometimes that's the way we think of our life. Like, you know, I got my little social life over here, and that's a slice of the pie, and then I got my family life over here, and that's a slice of the pie, and then I got my, you know, I got my spiritual life over here on Sundays, and that's a slice of the pie, and I got all these little slices, and God is just a slice of the pie. Well, let me tell you something today. God doesn't want to have a slice of the pie. He wants the whole pie. If you're like me and you like Mexican food, he wants the whole enchilada. You know what I'm saying? He wants full and complete surrender to him. And greater begins with surrender. You see, this lady, she thought, well, you know what? I've already got a good life, a great life, so I'll just add a little room over here for God. But God had something greater in store for her. Let's read on in verse number 11. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem. And he went to the upper room to, to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her, we appreciate the kind concern that she has shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you with the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for this woman? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as he stood in the doorway, Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Now watch this. I want you to see this. Even though this lady had not yet given full room of her life to God, God was already planning something greater for her. I want you to see something here today. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I haven't fully surrendered my life to God. Can I tell you, even if you haven't fully surrendered to him, that God has greater things in store for you, that he is dreaming up the great things that he wants for you and for your life. You see, God is not this big, bad, mean bully up in the sky who is just looking down, waiting for you to mess up so that he can zap you with a lightning bolt boom from heaven God loves you and he has great things in store for you and even before you come to the place of surrender to him he's already planning great things for your life he says God's got something greater for you by this time next year you're going to hold a child in your arms. And I want you to notice her response because it's, it's kind of an unusual response. In verse 16, she says, don't get my hopes up like that. In other words, man, I, I've hoped for things before and it didn't happen the way that I thought that it was going to happen. And I don't want to be disappointed You know, I've had faith for things before, and then things didn't come together the way that I thought that they were going to come together. And don't tell me that, Elisha, because if you tell me that, then I might get my faith built up, then I might get my hopes built up, and then things might not happen the way I wanted them to happen, and I might find myself disappointed. Some of you are here, and that's exactly where you're at today. You know, I told you at the beginning of this message, my job today is to get your hopes up to build your faith but as I say that some of you are pushing back and you're saying but pastor I don't want to get my hopes up because I've gotten my hopes up before and then I was disappointed I believed God for that promise before and then I was disappointed I I believed God to do some great things in my life before but then those things didn't happen and people disappointed me and circumstances disappointed me and pastors disappointed me and churches disappointed me and I don't want to get my hopes up to believe God for greater things today because if I believe then I might be disappointed some of you are here today and you're pushing back and you're saying I don't know if I want that whole greater thing because I already have a great life here and greater might cost me something and I'm afraid of what it might cost me I'm afraid of what it might mean in my life and so pastor just don't tell me about that that greater stuff In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. The second point today is that greater sometimes brings complications. See, greater is not necessarily neater and tidier and cleaner. In fact, that's the way blessings work. Have you ever noticed this? That blessings are blessings, and that's cool to be blessed, right? But blessings also bring complications, You ever notice that? Like, I mean, I was just thinking about that this week with, like, the church and the building and everything. We've been planning on this project for over a year now. And, man, we've been raising money and then securing the financing and working on the plans and doing the building permits and all that kind of stuff behind the scenes now for a year or so now. And it's so exciting. And then we finally start to see things happen. And that's super exciting, like the blessings of the church starting to to happen and all that kind of stuff. But with the blessings comes some complications. Right? I mean, you guys notice that you come in today and you got to come in through this little entrance over here and you walk in and the ceiling's just hanging down on you like there's stuff hanging down everywhere, right? And like you got to put your kids back here in this nursery back here. And guess what? That's after we've cleaned it up for y'all to see it on Sundays. Right? I mean, like, during the week, it's like people banging on stuff, and there's dirt, and there's mud, and there's Tejano music going... You know what I'm talking about? And it's a blessing, but it's also a complication. I mean, I was reading this past week in my... I've been reading through the book of Mark... And I was reading in Mark chapter 2 this story that is probably pretty familiar to most of you. It's about this guy who was uh, paralyzed, and he couldn't get to Jesus. You remember that story? And so four of his friends pick him up, and they carry him to where Jesus is. And there's Jesus in the house, and they get there, and there's so many people in the house that they can't get to where Jesus is. And so you remember that maybe they jumped up on top of the roof, and they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower the guy down to where Jesus is. And Jesus prays for the guy, and then the guy gets up, picks up his mat, and walks on. I mean, pretty cool story, right? And, you know, as preachers, we like stories like that. And so usually we preach on, you know, hey, if you can just get to Jesus, Jesus can do something. Or maybe we preach on the friends that, man, look at the faith they had and what kind of friends they were to carry their friend to Jesus. Or we might pre- preach about Jesus and when Jesus is in the house, you know what I'm saying? There's power when Jesus is in the house. But I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about, you know, I, I see Jesus and I see, you know, the guys that carried their friend to Jesus. I see the guy that was on the map. But what about the dude that owned the house? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's thinking, it'll be cool to have Jesus come to my house. But he wasn't thinking about, I'm going to have all these strangers in my house. And they're going to eat all my food. And they're going to spill stuff on my carpet. And they're going to cut a hole in my roof. The first service laughed a little more. You can help me out on that. It's the best stuff I got, all right? I mean, here's the deal. Blessings are blessings, but sometimes they create complications in your life. And that's what happens for this woman. She's already a great woman, but God says, I want to do something greater. And maybe that's the reason she thought, I'll just put God over in this room because I'm a little OCD here and my house is already straightened up. And when the man of God comes over, he makes a mess in my house. So I think I'll just put him over here in his own little room so he doesn't mess up my already great life. Come on, I'm preaching. I'll just have a little God over here because if I allow him into my whole life, then he might complicate things a little bit. And that's exactly what happened, verse number 17. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And in that, that time following, the, the year following, she had a son. You think about the complications. Those of you that are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because blessings, our babies are blessings, Right? Babies also bring complications because there's, you know, those middle-of-the-night feedings. There's dirty diapers, you know what I'm talking about? Then you get all dressed for church and you're in your Sunday best, you're ready to go, and all of a sudden they throw up all over your clothes you got to change, right? And then you're in the car and they're in the back seat and they have something coming out their back seat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, then they grow up and they become teenagers, And then if you got girls, there's boys, you know what I'm saying? And then they want a car, and then they want college. And, man, babies are blessings, but babies bring some complications into your life as well. (laughs) And yet if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, that, you know, you wouldn't trade those complications for anything. You wouldn't trade, you know, those sleepless nights and those dirty diapers and all the french fries between the seats of your car, you wouldn't trade any of that for the blessing that your children are. And that's what happens for this woman. At first she says, don't get my hopes up and I'm good with the great life that I already have. But God says, I have something greater in store for you. And a year later, the child is born. And we we see here in verse number 18, one day when her child was older, he went out and helped his father. He was working in with the harvesters, and can you imagine? As this woman is, set, is sitting there, and she's looking out on that on that promise of God, that child that she never even really asked for, but she looks out and. All of those complications are just like distant memories as she sees as she sees this boy and she thinks, man, look at those beautiful brown eyes that he has and look at that wavy hair and look at the way that he, that he moves, his mannerisms, and he looks just like his dad. And, and man, there are all these blessings that come. And, man, that's, that's the end of the story. I mean, it's like you can roll the credits and play a casting crown song and it would be one of those good Christian movies. Everything ends happily ever after. That's not what happens. In fact, something happens that is so unthinkable and so undescribable and so tragic that I, I don't even I don't even totally understand it. I know I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to be able to understand it all, but here's what I'm telling you: I don't understand it. There's the boy in the field. Verse 19. Suddenly he cried out, My head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, Carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home. His mother held him in her lap. But around noontime, he died. What? That doesn't even make sense. God, I didn't even ask for this child. And now I have a child and he grows and I fall in love with him and now... He dies? How is this greater? God, this is cruel. Can you imagine this woman? Can you imagine? I've already got a great life. And then this man of God comes along and says, God has something greater for you. And she says, I don't need anything greater. I'm satisfied. Good enough is already okay with me. But God says, no, I have something greater for you. The promise of a child. And a year later, you have a child. And then the child grows up, and now he dies? Some of you, it's so quiet in here because you've experienced this in your life before. That's the reason you said, Pastor, don't get my hopes up. Because if I get my hopes up, then something good might happen, but then that something good might go away, and then I'll be hurt, and I'll be disappointed, and it's too painful, and I don't even want to experience that anymore. Come on. i just tell you, I, I know I've used this illustration before, and I try not to use it too often, but this is exactly where I was, 2011, Mother's Day, The church is going good, been here five years. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, one conversation, I find out two of our staff members are having an affair. And I can tell you, that was the thought that was going through my mind. God, this doesn't make sense. This is mean and cruel. You asked us to come plant this church, to start this church. We left a good church and good people and a good salary to come out here to work our tails off, blood, sweat, and tears for five years to pour into these people. And the very people that we poured into for five years are now the ones that have done something like this. God, how can this be greater? You're nodding your head because you know what I'm talking about. God, I poured into that. God, I believed for that promise. God, I, I had faith for that. And, and I, I believed that you were going to do something. God, I prayed for my loved one. And I believed that you were going to heal them. And they got better for a little while. But then they got worse and they died. And God, that doesn't make sense. I worked on that marriage. We went to We went to counseling. We went to church every week, man. I tried to be better. And things started getting better, but then I find out what I didn't even know, that she was having an affair, or that he was filing for a divorce. God, how can this, how can this be greater? Can you imagine this woman? She holds her son in her arms. The dream, the promise of God. God. And now his lifeless body is in her arms. It must have seemed so final. It must have seemed like it was all over. Some of you, that's where you're at today. The promise, the dream that God has placed in your life. It seems like it's dead. It seems like it's gone. Like all hope is gone and it's final. It's over. There's no hope for me, But I've got good news for you today that there are no hopeless situations with God. And there is no final when God is part of the equation that with God nothing is ever over. The greatest disappointment and the greatest despair of this woman's life leads to the greatest opportunity for God to show His greatness in her life. I want you to write this down number three greater sometimes requires a resurrection you see at this moment as this woman held her lifeless son the dream the promise of god in her bo- held his body in her arms she she had a choice to make would she plan a funeral or would she believe for a miracle Some of you are here right now and maybe you're holding some lifeless dreams. Maybe you're holding some lifeless relationships. Maybe you're holding some unfulfilled promises and you look and you think there's no way that anything could ever happen there. This is a hopeless situation, but here today you've got a choice to make. Will you plan a funeral or will you believe God for a miracle? I want you to see what this woman does in verse number 20. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime he died. And she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor the Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. As he, and as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. And he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you and your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. Man, as I read that and I see those last two words, it's like one of these things does not belong there, you know? Your son has just died. Everything is not okay. The dream is gone. The promise is dead. You can say, man, this woman was really living in denial, but maybe she wasn't living in denial. Maybe, maybe instead she was in desperation, And maybe as she held her lifeless son, maybe she decided that instead of planning a funeral, I'm going to believe God for a miracle. I'm going to believe God has something greater for me and that He is good and He has good plans for me. And even if things don't work out the way that I wanted them to or thought that they would, I'm going to believe God and trust Him no matter what. Everything's okay. instead of burying her dream she took it to the only one who could resurrect it some of you right now you're holding lifeless dreams lifeless marriages and relationships lifeless ministries unfulfilled promises and i'm here to tell you today you can either decide to bury that lifeless dream or you can decide to take it to the only one who can resurrect it you know it's almost the end of football season and uh that was a good little transition there, wasn't it? <laughs> Super Bowl's next weekend. And uh, in football, they have this play that most people think is kind of the most boring play in the game, but I really think it maybe is like one of the most exciting plays because I've I've seen entire games just be turned around by this one by this one play. I've seen entire seasons like completely hinge on this one play. It's called the instant replay. And in the game, sometimes the referee on the field will get the call and sometimes you can see it right there on TV, It's like, that call's wrong, right? But good thing is that they have up above in the booth, what do they have? They have these guys, the officials that are in the replay booth. And they've got video equipment so that they can see what's happening. And they see from a different perspective than what the players and the coaches and the referees on the field can see. In real time and from their perspective, they can't see and tell everything that is, that is happening. When they think that the play on the field is wrong, the coach will get that little red flag, right, and he'll throw it out on the field, and they'll call for an instant replay. And the referee will go up underneath the hood, and the guys that are watching from up above, they will look at the play, and then they'll call down, and three little words can change everything. And sometimes the referee will come out from, behind, from the little hood, and he'll say, as we looked at the play, we confirm the ruling on the field, right? But then sometimes he'll say these three words, upon further review. You know what I'm talking about? The ruling on the field has been overturned. And then everyone screams and hollers and everyone gets so excited, right? Well, here's what I'm here to tell you today, that from your viewpoint and from your perspective, you may not be able to see everything that is happening. And in real time, sometimes things get past us and sometimes things get wrong and the call on the field is wrong. But I'm here to tell you today that there is one who sees from a higher perspective. He sees things that we don't see. And the scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and when it seems like all hope is gone when it seems like your dream is dead i'm telling you you can call upon a higher authority and he can look at your situation and he can say hey i see the ruling on the field but upon further review i'm overturning the ruling and i'm gonna bring a resurrection to your situation that's what happened for this woman We see it in verse number 32, when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed, and he went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. And then he laid down on the child's body and placed his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. And Elisha got up and walked back and forth across the room once and then stretched himself out again on the child. And this time the boy sneezed seven times. That's what I've been doing with this hay fever stuff, this last. Then the boy sneezed seven times. He opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother. He said, and then when she came in, Elisha said, here's your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him and overwhelmed with gratitude, she took her son in her arms and carried him down the stairs. Some of you are here today and your dream seems to be hopeless. You seem to hold the promise. It seems like a lifeless body you're holding in your hand today, but can I tell you upon further review that you can appeal appeal to a higher authority and he can change everything for you. It kind of reminds me of another story, 12 guys who had put their hope into one man. For three and a half years they had walked with him and they had talked with him and they had learned from him, they had seen him perform miracles. And they had seen him open the blind eyes. They had seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. They, In fact, they left their jobs in surrender for him to just follow him wherever, wherever he led. They had put all of their trust and hope in him. He was the Messiah that they had been looking for For hundreds of years, people had been watching for him, but now they find this man that they had put all of their hope and all of their trust in their whole life following him, and now they see this man beaten and broken and nailed to a cross, hanging on a tree. He speaks those words, it is finished, and then he dies, and they take his body, and they place him in a tomb. It's over. It's final. Death has won. Sin and the grave has won. But sometimes greater requires a resurrection. Sometimes it seems like... All hope is gone. Sometimes it seems like there's no way. But when there is no way, God specializes in making a way. When it seems like everything is dead, God is a God who specializes in bringing those things to life. And though sin was strong, my Jesus is stronger. And though our shame and our pain is great, our God is so much greater today. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what you're facing, there is hope for you. If you will surrender your life to him, if you will put your trust in him, it doesn't mean it'll be easy. There will be complications, and there will be problems, and there will be heartache. And sometimes you will find yourself in the depths of despair. But I'm telling you, there is always hope in Christ that if you will put your hope in him, that because Jesus died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead, he rose up again three days later and because he is alive your life can have life your marriage can have life your relationships can have life your dead dream can be brought back to life again because of what he did through his son Jesus Christ would you stand up on your feet today and would you lift up your hands all over this room today and surrender to God